that I had that earlier on. <laughs> just wanted to disappear into the background. Right, the reading for today is taken from Matthew chapter 13, and it's verses 1 to 9, and then verses 18 to 23, and it's found on page 989 of the Pew Bible. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Those who have ears, let them hear. Verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When people hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. Those who receive the seed that fell on rocky places are people who hear the word at once and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Those who receive the seed that fell among the thorns are people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But those who received the word that fell on good soil are people who hear the word and understand it. They produce a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and potential of your word in our lives. And we pray that you would open our hearts to your word as you open your word to our hearts. For the glory of Jesus and the extension of his kingdom, we pray. Amen. Well, why does Jesus tell this parable? It's a a mystery, this process of growing as a person. And the mystery is that in her or him, it will result or not result in them becoming part of what God is doing in the world and the extension of his kingdom. God wants us to become kingdom comers. And this parable gives us a secret insight into how that can become possible. What more would anyone want than to be part of God's kingdom? Overcoming evil with good. 
making it possible for hope to come where there's despair, bringing justice to the oppressed, enabling others to find that yes, when they discover that God really does love them and that they can live their lives in that security and that joy. They don't have to worry what other people think about them anymore. That was my story when I first became a Christian. It was so amazing. It's a joy this morning to be able to hear stories and to see in front of us signs of this kingdom. Signs of the kingdom coming and growth happening in amazing ways. And Jesus calls us first of all to listen. To listen. Here is the secret to becoming a kingdom comer, he says. And he tells them a story. It's wonderful the way that Jesus tells a story. And, but this, for the Jewish listeners, was in and of itself quite a puzzling thing. If Jesus is going to be talking about how life works with God, for the Jewish people who were there, their expectancy was that they would hear of a God, a mighty God, a God who drove back the waters and let the people escape to the promised land, a God who does incredible things in the desert, a God who comes in power and majesty, a big bang fireworks God, God putting things right. But instead, Jesus talks about the power of the small. He talks about the seed and the different outcomes of the life of the seed according to the place in which it's sown. And he talks about a hard path, a rocky ground, a weedy patch. None of them good environments for that seed to grow. And Jesus here is being utterly realistic, isn't he? He's recognising that how God's message and the way in which God's word happens in people's lives is going to result in different reactions. And superficiality, cynicism, distraction, anxiety, especially a concern about the inconsequential, which we seem to be obsessed about uh, as a society. They all lead us down paths that are never going to be truly fruitful. He calls people who major on those things, those who hear but do not understand, do not understand the depth and significance and what's required for fruit to come from their lives. And he says that really there's a mystery to healthy growth that dis- this consists in discovering the significance of two qualities that, if applied consistently to what God says about life, will result in a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times more than you could ever have imagined. And those two qualities are so simply hearing and understanding. Hearing and understanding. Now, that word hearing applies to all the people in the parable. All the people who hear, but he says the people who are like these other sort of conditions of soil are those who hear and do not understand. And he said the ones who hear and understand are the ones like good soil, where the seed can take root, can grow, and to produce 
a harvest. Verse 23 says, The one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the person who hears the word and understands it. That word understand, therefore, is crucial for us to understand. (laughs) So let me just look, and sometimes what uh, is a good thing to do about a, a particular phrase or word that you want to go deeper with is to look at different ways that that is put by the other gospel writers because they tend to shed a new light or a a different sort of light on the same thing. So if you look at the passage of the parable of the sower in Mark, we read that he uses the phrase, those who hear and accept. Now that's helpful, isn't it? To accept. It's not just, okay, yeah, I accept it. It's about accepting, rather like when you have a, a kidney transplant the big question is, will that kidney be sufficiently received or accepted by the body that doesn't reject it and it can take whatever it does take in the body, not root, <laughs> but becomes connected with all the different veins and organs and, and blood vessels and everything, and it starts to grow and functions and the body becomes healthy. It's that sort of accepting, I think, that the writer Mark describes. Luke, on the other hand, speaks about those who hear the word, retain it, and interestingly, he says, by persevering, produce a crop. So here's the accepting and retaining. That may be partly to do with the memory, but it's also to do with the capacity to hold on to that word. And sometimes there are times when we have to hold on to God's word, when everything else is trying to take it away. And we have to persevere in hope and in trust with God, even when everything else is calling us to think otherwise. There is so much that God is saying to us by his word, through his spirit, and it is life-giving potentially, but it requires of us open hearts, a childlike faith, a simplicity of trust, an acceptance that takes time, takes discipline, and requires perseverance. Now, this afternoon, many of us will be watching Roger Federer. What an amazing tennis player he is. So calm, so graceful, so full of talent and skill. But Roger Federer, as we know, wasn't always like that. If we read about his youth, he grew up as a very talented player, but so talented that he was rather what uh, my daughter might call himself, up himself. And uh, because he was so talented and so thought himself so good, he threw the most appalling tantrums when he lost. Worse than John McEnroe, worse than anybody that they knew at that time. And although he won lots of competitions, his parents got to such a pace where they said to their son, we will not take you round different parts of Europe in these competitions. We are not going to pay all this money to help you in your career. We're not going to waste our time when you're behaving like that because you'll never make it to be a top player. And they gave Roger the choice. 
as to how he was going to handle that. He said, they said to him, you've got to get a coach. You've got to learn how these, the stuff between your ears actually can be used to channel your talent into becoming a good player and therefore a great player. And I was reading about the way Roger Federer made a decision to get a coach and to submit himself to a regular discipline of practice that enabled him to become a brilliant tennis player. A player who didn't get flustered when he was under pressure. A player who could take stock of things when he lost and learn from them and who persevered through his difficulties and who made the most of his talent through receiving advice, coaching, and by perseverance produces the fruit of a great tennis player. It speaks to us of the lesson that to move forward in life requires less of trying harder and more of training better. That really is one of the secrets of growth. Not to try harder, but to train better. And so Jesus is saying that this kind of response to God's word is what will bring a person alive, fulfill their potential, and result in their lives being fruitful on their front lines. Other kinds of responses will not result in potential being realized to the extent that it could be. And so what are the implications for us as we seek to grow as people who are seeking to be kingdom comers, making a difference in our world, making an impact, enabling others to flourish? Well, might I dare to suggest that a quick opening of a Bible to favorite verses now and again, an occasional visit to church or listening to the God channel on YouTube isn't really what Jesus had in mind, good though they may be. But that's not really going to result in understanding in the deep places of our hearts and minds. And this is so crucial that Christ Church, as a church that is committed to making disciples in the whole of life, is wanting to offer a number of different ways that we can learn together and grow together in our understanding of our God's Word and its implications for our lives. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have discipleship triads. That's why we have Elevate and Elevate Plus with the young people. That's why we have such great work with the children. And one of our children, seven years old, is now reading Habakkuk. She's got such a thirst for God's Word that she's decided to read the shortest books of the Bible. And so she'll understand from reading Habakkuk, seven years old, that life is not fair. What an incredible discovery to make. Children say, it's not fair! The adults, when somebody they love is struck down with a terrible illness, will still say, it's not fair. It's just not fair. 
God's word teaches us that life is never fair. That's not how he set it up. But Habakkuk teaches us, if we understand it, that we can still worship and praise and bless a God who is sovereign over all and whose kingdom is greater than this world. And from his perspective of life beyond death, we can still bless the Lord. We can still praise him for who he is, not what he does or doesn't do. It's that sort of understanding that enables our confidence in God, our confidence in life, to become deep-rooted and will produce fruit. It enables us to be like that tree planted by the streams that we heard of at the beginning of our service. Blessed is the one. That means in the right place with God, in the great place of, in life, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. That person will be like a tree planted by the water. In other words, in a place of nourishment that sends out its roots by the stream. Roots go deep, not superficial. And the result is it doesn't fear when heat comes. There's no fear in love. I remember I was so impressed with Johnny Dobson's... Sorry to embarrass you, Johnny, but I don't think you will be embarrassed because Johnny's words a few weeks ago helped me to understand that whole thing about there's no fear in love. And he said, you know, when I'm talking about my faith with my friends, it's one of the things I remember. That perfect love casts out all fear. And I'd sort of thought that was about recognizing that God loves me and therefore I can be confident. But he revealed to me this thing that if you love the people and you'll seek to loving the people you're talking to and with, then there's no room for fear because you can't have fear and love at the same place. And so by Johnny talking about focusing on loving the people and praying for the people he's talking to, fear was dispelled. Now, you see, I wouldn't have realized that or understood it unless I'd learned it from Jonathan. And this is the value of learning from one another in small groups or in triads. And Anita here, who's leading our worship this morning, um, singing, um, has got a whole range of ways that we can be involved in these small groups or in threes and go deeper with God, put our roots deeper and learn from one another. They devoted themselves, as the New Testament about the early, early Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that wasn't a thing that they did on their own. They didn't have Bible reading notes in those days, did they? (laughs) They didn't have this one-to-one study of the scriptures themselves. They always did it with rabbis, with small groups, where they discussed and they did it together. That's why small groups are utterly essential for our growth, a small group of some way or another. And I would absolutely encourage you to be in a small group of some kind, a life group, because they lead to life if you're not already. The mystery of growth, then, is that God is the one who does it in us. By his Spirit, he transforms us from the inside out by the Holy Spirit, his life-giving Spirit, doing things that are impossible for us to do. We cannot make ourselves grow and become fruitful. That's God's work. But we can 
And Jesus tells us through this parable, the choice is yours. Take deliberate steps to order our lives so that we will be well-placed to hear and understand God's Word. So may we ask the Lord to show us one thing that it's possible for us to do so that He can do the impossible in us. And whatever He says to you, do it. Amen. The band are going to come and play.